ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into episode six of From the Hive. This is Ryan Tristel. We're doing this episode a little bit different this week because it is midterms week and we are off on Friday, which is the day we normally record this show. So Abby, myself, Sierra, and Anna all recorded our segments at different times during this week. Thank you to Sierra for editing them all together. But we're going to go through everything right now, and we are going to start it off with Anna. So, Anna, take it away. Hello, KALA listeners. This is Anna Vary with From the Hive. Today I am joined by Bryn Bean Blossom to talk about the upcoming Antioch Retreat hosted by St. Ambrose's Campus Ministry and some ways you, the listeners, can keep your faith alive during this fall season. Hi, Bryn. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Why don't you first start by introducing yourself to the listeners? Hi, everyone. My name is Bryn Beanblossom, as Anna said. I'm a senior here at St. Ambrose University studying psychology, um, pre-speech language pathology, and I'm heavily involved in campus ministry. I'm actually a peer campus minister in Hagen Hall, so I get to be with the residents and I'm a resource for them, um, and it's been a lot of fun this year. Awesome. As I said before, one of the reasons I wanted to sit down with you today is to get more information about this upcoming Antioch Retreat. So what is the Antioch Retreat and what is your role in the retreat? I love Antioch. The Antioch Retreat is so much fun. Um, It's a weekend-long retreat. It'll go from Friday night to Sunday afternoon. Um, And it's just a weekend to get off campus and deepen your faith and connect with others. And it's just so beautiful. It's full of a lot of prayer, a lot of fun, a lot of laughter. Um, And I think the most important thing about Antioch is the community building, the people that you meet and get to know. Um, Maybe you have like a class with them and you get to see them in a whole new light, in a whole new way. It's just really beautiful. Um, In my role on the retreat, I am the co-leader. So it is me and Ellie Van Landshut. Um, We're co-leading the retreat this year and we're really excited to see... um, our team in action and get all the participants that we can. Yeah, I mean, I had an amazing time when I went last spring. And yeah, I'm so excited for everyone that gets to go on the retreat this year. And I'm so excited for you and Ellie who are leading it. I know you guys are doing an amazing job preparing and I'm just so excited for everyone that gets to participate. I'm so excited for them to experience the weekend. Um, Like you said, they get to get off campus, which is always fun. But yeah, what can participants expect to get out of the retreat? I think as I touched on earlier, the most that they, I guess I shouldn't say the most, (laughs) what they can expect to get out of the retreat um, is like a deepened understanding of their faith, that it's not just going to mass and hearing scripture in a homily and like getting on your knees and praying. Like that's not all that faith is. There's so much more. It's building a relationship um, with each other and with um, the Lord. And it's just so great and I think that participants can expect to get a deeper understanding of that as well as community Um, in college all students want is community Um, and so on this retreat a lot of people find that community um, whether they're expecting to or not it normally it just happens it's something that is really um, a beautiful part of the weekend after this weekend whether you're a participant or team you just come out like family Like, you're very much bonded, which sounds so cheesy and silly, but it's so true. Some of my very best friendships have come from Antioch. Definitely. I remember um, coming back the week after my Antioch retreat, and I just, anyone I saw on campus that went, like, we always said hi to each other. And we still do, which is so amazing that those relationships we formed, those connections we built, like, 
those last. And whether you eat lunch with them or you just see them passing by, um, it's always fun to see that welcoming face and that friendly face. Yeah. If student listeners are interested in going on the retreat, where can they sign up or find in more information? Yes. Oh, my goodness. So um, the team and I have been tabling in the cafeteria and in the beehive. So there's QR codes in um Again, the cafeteria and the beehive. Um, there's also a link in our Instagram bio, the Campus Ministry Instagram bio, yes. So if you just click on that link, it will take you right there um, so you can get all signed up. It's so much fun. I'm so excited for this year. Awesome. I hope you have a great turnout, and I'll be wishing you well and the whole team and all the participants um, well, and I'm just so excited for all of you guys. It's going to be a great weekend. Switching into the second half of our interview together, as the seasons begin to change from summer to fall, many might find themselves motivated to create new habits and strengthen old ones. As you said previously, one of the key takeaways from Antioch is a sense of deepening one's faith and also learning more about one's faith and not just thinking faith is all about mass. So what are some ways one would be able to strengthen their connection with their faith that isn't necessarily going on a retreat like Antioch or going to mass on the weekend? Absolutely. Ambrose has so many things to offer, which I think is so great and so beautiful. Um, Once a month on Mondays, we have our praise and worship group. Um, If you're interested in going to that, I've had friends that that go regularly. Unfortunately, I have a night class, but um, they have nothing but good things to say. It's the highlight of their week when um, Bees of Praise is having their worship night. Um, Another few good ways, um, we have adoration on Thursday nights from 8.30 to 9.30. My good friend Luke and I have a Bible study from 6 to 7 in the Hayes Courtyard. Um, So that's a really good way, again, to build community. There's also Ambrosians for Peace and Justice. Um, I know they meet on Wednesday nights, and they also have what's called Service Saturdays, which is just um, when students can go out into the community and do service work. And that's a really good way to, like, live out your faith. And not only that, but just, like, meet people, get off campus. It's a lot of fun. Um, I know a lot of sports teams go and they usually have a lot of fun. So um, I think those are all good ways to strengthen your faith community and your faith. Um, But there's a lot of different ways that you can strengthen your faith personally without going out into different groups. So as you listed out all of those great ideas, are there any that you particularly love or are there any other ways that you love to deepen your faith and incorporate prayer into your life? Yeah, well, I'm biased and I <laughs> love Luke and I's Bible study, um, but I also really love adoration. I think that's a really good just hour to sit and be in the presence of the Lord um, and enjoy that silence. We do not have enough of that as college students, um, but I also love to wake up early in the morning, just like a half an hour, an hour earlier, and sit and read the scripture, um, the gospel of the day, the scripture that we're going to hear at Mass um, during the day. And I sit and I reflect on it and I pray with it and then I journal. And just that extra half hour, hour in the morning like sets me up so perfectly for the day. And um, I feel like every time I like find something throughout my day, I'm like, oh, that relates back to what I read this morning. And it's just really cool and really beautiful. Um, so that's probably one of my favorite things to do in my in my life. <laughs> so, Yeah, awesome. 
Um, I think one that I especially love doing during the fall time because the leaves are changing. Mm-hmm. I love going on prayer walks, whether they're just silent and me just talking and praying or um, if it's me going out with just some worship music. Um, I always like doing that. Or even with friends. I know this afternoon a couple friends and I are going to go out to Vandevere Park and just walk around and look at the leaves changing. Um, I think it's just awesome to go outside into nature. I mean, a lot of people see their faith in the nature and in the environment that they're in, and I think that is amazing. And I am one of those people, so I love being outside. I love watching the sunrise, watching the sunset. And I think another amazing way that I love to incorporate prayer and just incorporate the silence like you were talking about is taking a few moments in my day to just remember Um, The things that I can see, the things that I can hear, the things that I can taste, touch, um, smell. I think those are all the senses. But just to like reground myself in the presence and in in the now. Um, I read a reflection last week that um, talked about how a heart in two places is, is no heart. Meaning that like you can't focus too much on the past and you can't focus too much on the future. And just remembering to ground yourself in the now and in the presence. So you can see all the amazing things that you do have and all the amazing things that the Lord has put into your life. And so, yeah, those two things are probably my favorite right now during this fall season. I love that so much. I think grounding is so, so important and crucial. And not only does it help us in our faith life, but I know a lot of people that struggle with like anxiety, depression, um, any mental health things like grounding is so like important and so great. Um, So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Another thing, um, last week I also read a reflection. It was about being childlike in your faith. And I think so often as college students, we get so caught up in everything has to be perfect and we have to learn how to be adults and we have to do things like this way and everything is so scheduled. But it's so important to remember to be a child of God and childlike in your faith and just like enjoy the little things and laugh at yourself and be a kid again sometimes, I think. That has really um, like changed my relationship with the Lord in my faith, with my friends too, and my family. Like, they probably appreciate me being less hard on myself as well. <laughs> I get a little crabby sometimes, so um, that's been something that's been very um, pivotal for me. Definitely, I think that's such great advice, and it's almost how can you see the world through a child's eyes? You know, when they're big-eyed and jaw-dropped and they're just so in awe of what they see and what they can do and what they can hear. I think just reminding yourself to kind of be like that with your faith and with life in general, um, yeah, it can definitely help, like you said earlier, with anxiety, depression, any mental health issues one's encountering, especially as the seasons change, you know, change is hard. And I think remembering to be childlike in your faith, remembering to ground yourself, remembering to incorporate prayer and to build your faith community. These are all great ways to boost your mood and to enjoy the seasons changing and to just really embrace and be grateful for what we do have and what is in our life. So, yeah. Thank you, Anna. Awesome. So I think that'll do it for our time together. Uh, Thank you so much, Bryn, for joining me today. And thank you, the listeners of KALA, for tuning in to this episode of From the Hive. Once again, I'm Anna Berry, and I hope you have a great week. Thank you, Anna. Great job, and well done getting that interview with Bryn. Uh, Next, we are going to send it over to Abby Varkalis. Hi, guys. This is Abby Varkalis with KALA Radio. 
And for this little midterm break, I thought I would do a horror movie review, as I usually do. So this week, I reviewed The Nun, and it's a older movie, and I'm definitely late to the game. Um, it's rated R. It's a horror mystery and thriller movie, and it was released on September 7th of 2018. So I am definitely late to the game. It has some older effects and older characters. And of course, I knew about this movie prior, but I didn't get around to watching it until about last week, which is laughable for me. Um, so streaming started November 20th of 2018 on a lot of platforms, specifically Max. And the runtime is about an hour and 30 minutes, which is not too bad for a scary movie. So some popular actresses to look out for when you see this that many people recognize is one um, named Tasia Farminga, and she plays Sister Irene. She can also be seen in American Horror Story and other scary movies. She is personally one of my favorites. I think she's a very diverse actor in the Conjuring universe. Um, and another one is Bonnie Ahrens, and she plays the nun. She is an incredible actress. She plays a lot of scary roles, um, specifically in the Conjuring universe, because she has such distinct looks. So... I decided to do The Nun this week because The Nun 2 just came out, and I'm so excited to see that. Um, I will definitely be reviewing that once I get around to watching that. That just came out on um, September 12th or 13th. Um, so getting into what The Nun is about. So this is from Rotten Tomatoes, and they say, When a young nun at an abbey in Romania takes her own life, a priest with a haunted past on the threshold of her final vows are sent by the Vatican to investigate. Together they uncover the order's unholy secret risking not only their lives, but their faith and their very souls. They confront a malvoyant force in the form of a demonic nun. So this movie was pretty crazy at the start. Um, it kind of just gave you background information of um, the nuns in the movie. And um, actually prior to that, they showed the um, what started everything. So the nun that took her own life and everything and a lot of possession going on as well and just their daily lives um, before everything starts. And personally, I have to say that I wasn't a huge fan of this movie. Um, for me, I thought it was very boring, but I am very used to scary movies, so I think that there wasn't enough in there for me to be scared. However, um, the second movie looks absolutely terrifying, and I know for a fact I'm going to be scared, so I definitely recommend seeing that. And also, too, just a reminder that Tuesdays are discount movie days. I'm pretty sure it's either $5 or $7 to go on a Tuesday, and it's really nice, so definitely go see that. It's Halloween season. It's spooky season, if you will, and it's definitely a time to go watch that, which I will be watching that hopefully soon, maybe Friday the 13th which would be great. Um, but yeah, I do recommend seeing this movie at the same time, even though it was boring for me. I think it's still a scare, and I think Bonnie Ahrens is someone that is so scary. Um, the way she plays her role and her makeup and all of that that goes into it, the designing, everything. I think that she's an amazing actress, and she puts a lot into the movie, and that's why I think it's such a good watch. Um, but yeah, I would recommend this movie, but for someone that is very seasoned in scary movies, maybe it's not for you, but I would definitely recommend seeing the second one. Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much. Um, have a great break and back to the show. Once again, good job to Abby on her movie review. She always does a really good job with that. And now I am going to take it away and I am going to talk about all things SAU sports. 
Starting things off with the women's volleyball team, this volleyball team has been absolutely electric so far this season. They're sitting at about 500 uh, on their overall record, but they're playing better than they are a 500 team. Looking at it, the Bees most or the Bees recently swept the Calumet Crimson Wave at Lee Loman Arena in three sets, and then the Bees took on the Red Hawks of Indiana Northwest on Thursday. Coming up for the women's volleyball team, they'll have matches against multiple teams in the Missouri Baptist Classic from St. Louis, Missouri. And the Bees also will take on the Red Hawks again on Tuesday, so tomorrow, this time from Gary, Indiana. For SAU soccer, the women's soccer team is probably the strongest team we have going right now at St. Ambrose as they are on a five-game winning streak as they recently beat opponents by scores of 3 to nothing against Roosevelt and 11 to nothing against Holy Cross. Coming up for the women's team, they'll take on Trinity Christian and St. Francis, Illinois on Tuesday. For the men's team, they're playing okay as they beat Holy Cross 3 to 2, but then lost to Roosevelt 3 to 1. Coming up, they'll also take on Trinity They'll also take on Trinity Christian, and then they will also take on St. Francis, that game being played on Wednesday. Cross country at SAU has been very strong so far this year. The women's team has placed in the top five multiple times in their races as a key runner for this women's team has been Caitlin Konecki, a freshman who actually recently was on Inside SAU Athletics down in the TV station. The men's cross-country team has also been very strong this year as they've placed in the top three in all four of the races they've had. Speaking of running, don't be afraid to run in the Killer Bee 5K or have your kids do the Bumble Rumble on Saturday, the morning of the 21st. It's a great way to kick off the uh, homecoming day activities with football playing that afternoon. In SAU golf, both the men's and women's golf teams were back in action in Indiana recently as both teams placed very well the men's team placing in third of 11 teams and the women's team placing in seventh out of the nine teams competing now the women's team that's their first time back after a long break so I'm not shocked that you know they might have been a little slow off the grind also coming up in SAU sports swim and dive uh, they have a few competitions coming up and football currently on their bye week, but they'll be back on the 21st for homecoming in a game that is going to be up against a very good St. Francis, Illinois Fighting Saints team. If you want any more information about SAU sports, you can look at saubees.com. So that's going to do it for me with the sports segment. I'm going to pass it off to Sierra for her recipes. Hello, KALA listeners. This is Sierra at KALA Radio, giving you a little segment on this week's From the Hive weekly podcast with all of the scholar bees. So you've heard from Anna, you've heard from Abby, and you've heard from Ryan. But now I will expand on Hispanic Heritage Month, which is until October 15th. To honor Hispanic Heritage Month, I will be giving you guys a list from Good Housekeeping's article on some of the popular and traditional Hispanic dishes that you must try now. They are flavorful. They are 
delicious. They are something that you always need to crave. And I will be naming 20 popular Hispanic dishes from Mexico, Spain, Puerto Rico, and Spanish-speaking South American, Central American, and Caribbean countries. After I list the 20 popular Hispanic foods that you must try, I will then go into one of the recipes and expand on it and give you that specific recipe. Number one is agua frescas, which personally I do love. They kind of remind me of a hibiscus tea or a, just a flavored tea, and they're very, very tasty. It's a thirst-quenching Mexican drink made from a combination of fruits. You can use almost any single type. I love watermelon and blended with lime juice, a sweetener, and water, which is then served over ice. They serve a lot of agua frescas at the events I've been to for KALA Radio, and I always have to try one, or an horchata. I always have to get different flavors. They're just, they never failed me. They always taste so good, and it's really refreshing, especially in the summertime when the sun is directly on me when I'm promoting KLA Radio at a parade or something like that. It's just always good to have. Number two on the most popular Hispanic heritage dishes, we have enchiladas verdes, which can be filled with almost anything of your liking, from different meats to cheeses to beans and veggies. Personally, my favorite kind of enchilada is enchiladas verdes con pollo, cebolla, and I also love cilantro. Cilantro is definitely one of my favorite flavors in this entire world. I could eat so much cilantro on literally anything, like if my meat doesn't look like it's also in a salad too with cilantro, then I, I don't want it. Number three is one of my favorites, steak chimichurri. It is an Argentinian sauce or marinade that turns everything that it touches into flavor gold, according to the article. It is perfectly paired with charred, juicy, grilled steak. Next, we have migas, which I'm not too familiar with, but it says it is loaded with scrambled eggs, crispy tortilla chips, fresh pico de gallo, and tons of melty cheese. It's a popular dish in Spain, Portugal, Mexico, and Texas, and is a brunch recipe. Now, this also reminds me of chilaquiles, um, where you have the tortilla chips on the bottom, and then you have some eggs on top, but the eggs aren't really, like, scrambled. They're kind of yolky eggs like over easy kind of eggs which is like my favorite kinds i love chilaquiles but i believe that is from mexico next we have shrimp ceviche one of my favorites i love me some shrimp ceviche especially at a fancy dinner or an authentic restaurant so good the recipe usually calls for raw shrimp marinated in lime juice but you can also use cooked shrimp if that is what you prefer and then it also you have some jalapenos on top some lime extras in this recipe it's looking like they put some grapefruit in there this is the perfect dish to have with tortilla chips and you kind of just dig in right by the seaside it's so good very refreshing kind of like the agua frescas number six we have chicken mole and traditional mole sauce from mexico is made from many ingredients and simmered for hours I've personally had mole before. I am a fan, just like I am a fan of every single kind of meal under the sun. I swear I'm not picky at all. Mole is a unique flavor that you just have to get yourself to try. It feels like home. Mole really does. It has like this warm 
I mean, it is a warm sauce, but it just has this like warm, homey feeling to it. And if you haven't had mole before, I definitely recommend trying it. Number seven for the most popular Hispanic cuisines, we have cinnamon churros or cinnamon churros. It is a crunchy cinnamon sugar dusted fried dough that gets dipped in chocolate or caramel sauce, anything like that. Personally, my favorite is the churros dipped in chocolate sauce. I have these all the time when I was back at home just because we had this fair that we went to and I always got my churros from there. They're so good and it's a staple dessert. You can't ever go wrong with too many churros. I feel like I won't ever get bored of it. Number eight, we have Easy Red Salsa. This is your typical salsa, and if you want to pair it with chips or anything, you can. For a typical salsa, we use fresh tomatoes, spicy jalapenos, and plenty of cilantro for a bright and bold topping or a dip. I personally, I like to put salsa on majority of salads or meats or guacamole. I love salsa so much. It's honestly, it is another staple. It's a, It kind of reminds me of a condiment, but it's not really. But it is a staple recipe to have and use in most of your foods. Nine, we have a little bit more of a complex meal. We have a seafood paella. Paella is a Spanish rice dish made with vegetables, meat, or seafood. Or you can use a combination of all those three. And it date backs to early 1800s. The version in this recipe uses seafood and vegetables, but I personally, I've had paella and it's something that I, I really like. I think I used to, I think I made it one time, honestly, in high school, really flavorful. It's so good. It is packed with so many different flavors. It has rice on the bottom. Next, we have this. If you're of age, we have a classic fresh lime margarita. Of course, you can make this without alcohol. But this drink is also a staple. I know um, there are different flavors that you can get, like watermelon, strawberry, lime. When I'm older, I will definitely have to try a margarita. Number 11, we have arepas, which is Venezuelan fried corn cakes stuffed with tasty fillings like creamy, zesty chicken, avocado salad, salsa, anything like that. It definitely reminds me of a bao bun. I've had them before and I I am a fan. Really, really good. I keep on saying all these recipes are staples, but it's for real. Like they are all staples in my life. I love them so much. Then we have a Spanish potato omelet, which I don't think I've ever had before. Maybe I had it in a different way, but not the one that's looking like in this article. Says it's perfect for any time of the day, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And it's a classic dish made with eggs, potatoes, olive oil, onion, and parsley. Okay, I think I've had all those ingredients combined before. It just didn't look like this. (laughs) Um, But definitely a dish that I wouldn't mind having as soon as I wake up or as soon as I go to bed, honestly. Number 13, we have elote. I have so many words to say about elote. I, oh my gosh, elote is like my salsa. I use them for almost everything. I pair it with almost every kind of dish. It is a popular Mexican street food. Uh, Esquite is the one in the cup and elote is the one on the cob. So it's corn and then you can have a mixture of mayonesa, mayonnaise, lemon, lime, salt, paprika. And they use this special kind of cheese, cotilla cheese, 
that also pairs so well with the elote. Next, we have grilled tequila steak tacos. Now, I don't know what the tequila is in this, but maybe it's saying you could pair it with tequila. I have no idea. But these are just steak tacos that are topped with cilantro, onions, and in the picture, it's looking like radishes. I personally never had it with radish. Now, one of my favorite tacos ever are tacos with pineapple in it. It's so refreshing. It's so good. The pineapples add a certain level of acidity to it that just makes it unique paired with the meat. I personally love me some steak tacos, especially with pineapple salsa or anything like that. Now, number 15, I have never had a ginger grape sangria. It says it's made with fresh grapes, brown sugar, and sliced ginger, bringing a sweet and spicy flavor to a wine-based cocktail. Maybe when I'm older, just like the margarita, I'll have this. It sounds really tasty. For number 16, with the most popular Hispanic cuisines, we have tostones. Tostones are green plantain slices fried until golden and crispy, and they're served as a tasty side, appetizer, or snack. I've definitely had this before, I am definitely a fan, and I definitely will be eating it again in the near future. I love me some crispy plantain chips. So good. I just like to snack on them. I don't really like to pair it with stuff, I just like it for its own uniqueness. Number 17, we have ropa vieja, shredded beef. Now in the picture, it's looking like it is actually paired with the tostones, um, and we also have some rice and some beef. It says it's a stewed beef dish in a slow cooker, and it says it only takes 15 minutes of hands-on time. That's pretty quick. I like that. For number 18, we have pupusas with cortillo. It's from El Salvador. It is the corn cakes with stuffed roasted squash, pickled jalapenos, and mozzarella cheese, as it says in this dish. And then they also topped it with a tangy cabbage coleslaw. That sounds fantastic. And I definitely need to make that soon. I have never had them before, but I will definitely try them. Number 19, I'm also very familiar with tamales de elote. Anything with elote, I told you I'm such a fan. I love corn, maybe because I live in Iowa. The tamales in the recipe are made with corn and spices. Number 20, last but not least, we have huevos rancheros. Now you serve it with fried tortillas topped with salsa and sunny side up egg. Normally have this during brunch. Honestly, this sounds like something I could eat all day, any day. Also reminded me of chilaquiles, but without that tortilla chips on the bottom, this is with whole tortillas. And yeah, it's reminded me of tostados. Really, really flavorful, love the eggs. Now the recipe that I am going to expand on are going to be elotes just because I love me an elote recipe. It is easy, it's delicious, and it's just a Mexican street corn recipe that you can serve any time of the day. What's better than that? For the recipe, what you need is any kind of corn. I'm talking corn on the cob or just corn that is taken off the cob. Then you can use mayonnaise, you can use sour cream, sriracha if you want, sugar, cotilla cheese, and cilantro. Now you pretty much just mix all of the ingredients together in a bowl, or if you're doing corn on the cobs for elote, then you just have to boil the corn on the cobs, and then you can use a spoon to put on the mayonesa, the sour cream, if you will, and the 
cotilla cheese and sriracha if you want or any kind of hot sauce or seasoning like paprika that you want to use. And if you're making a esquite, you just have to put it all in a bowl together. All the ingredients, the corn, the cotilla cheese, the mayonnaise, everything together. And it makes for a simple and delicious dish. It could be a side dish, appetizer, anything. Thank you, KLA listeners, for listening to my segment of From the Hive, the weekly podcast with all four scholar bees of KLA Radio. Today, I expanded on 20 of the most popular Hispanic cuisines in honor of Hispanic Heritage Month. Every day should be a day to appreciate everyone and honor them with uttermost respect that you have. Thank you for listening, and we'll get back on to From the Hive. Thank you to Sierra, and that's going to do it for this episode of From the Hive. We'll be back next week with more of our regularly done episodes. Once again, all the comments and opinions made in this show are strictly our own and not those of St. Ambrose University or KALA Radio. Have a great rest of your day, everybody, and go bees.